the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in Revelation chapter 6, we see the seals, the seven seals that are broken by Jesus as he opens the scroll. Now, we have spent time taking a look at the four horsemen, those first four seals. And when he comes to the fifth seal, we take a look at the martyrs underneath the altar. And that's where we're spending time today on Abounding Grace. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to the program. Today, we return our attention to Revelation chapter 6 and the opening of the seals. Now, we've seen the first four, and we have spent some time yesterday and today on the fifth seal, this one that gives us the blessings to the martyrs who are underneath the altar and the significance of it all, what it means for us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Now, I want you to turn with me to several passages, because this is such a wonderful way of seeing how the Bible explains itself. Turn to Isaiah 2. Now, keep Revelation 6 in mind, because we are reading passages now from which the imagery is taken. Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Before I go any further, the context here is Israel. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 21. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning, and this is in Israel, against everyone who is proud and lofty, And against everyone who was lifted up, that he may be abased. And it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up. Against the oaks of Bashan. Against the lofty mountains. Against all the hills that are lifted up. Against every high tower. Against every fortified wall. Against all the ships of Tarshish. And against the beautiful craft. The pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day, the day of reckoning. But the idols will completely vanish. Men will go into the caves of the rocks and into the holes of the ground. Remember Revelation 6. And the splendor of his majesty before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he arises to make the earth tremble. In that day, men will cast away to the moles and the bats their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship. In order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts, clefts of the cliffs, before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth a tremble. Now, what's he talking about? That is all about God coming to judge the house of Jacob, 
to destroy it. Why? Because of its apostasy. On that day, it will be a day of reckoning, a display of God's majesty. People will head for the hills and hide in the caves, like in Revelation 6, to try and avoid God's wrath. But they can't. That is God coming on a cloud to destroy his enemy. I'll turn to Isaiah 13, starting with verse 1. The oracle concerning Babylon. Again, this is not about some future date. This is about Babylon, which had destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah and which itself was destroyed by the Medes and the Persians. Verse 1. The oracle of God concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, Lift up the standard on the bare hill, raise your voice to them, wave the hand that they may enter the doors of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones. I have even called my mighty warriors. Now these mighty warriors are mine, says the Lord. And in this instance, they are the Medes and the Persians. And then later on, of course, the Romans. My proudly exalted ones to execute my anger. A sound of tumult on the mountains like that of many people. A sound of the uproar of kingdoms, of nations from a far country, from the farthest horizons. And if you remember, in Luke 21, he draws from these things to describe the Roman armies in Jerusalem. The Lord and his instruments of indignation to destroy the whole land. Well... For the day of the Lord is near. What day? The day when God destroyed Babylon. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land of Babylon and later Palestine a desolation. And he will exterminate sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked, most particularly Babylon here, verse 1, for their iniquity. I will put an end to the arrogance of the proud. Now what is he saying here? He's saying, when I come to Babylon and I bring my army against her to destroy her, it is going to be the day of the Lord. And they will feel the bite of my burning anger. The stars will fall, the moon or the sun will turn dark, and the moon will not shed its light. Now, did those things literally happened when the Medes and the Persians destroyed the Babylonians during that period between the Old and New Testament? No. Yet it says that when I bring my wrath to bear upon Babylon, the sun will go out, the moon will not shine, the stars will fall. They didn't really. Besides, that's not the point. Now, what happens to a culture when the sun goes out and the stars fall? 
It's lights out for that culture. That means it is the end of that culture. What would happen if the sun and the moon went out and the stars fell today? It would be lights out for planet Earth. So what he is saying is that this devastation of God's wrath against Babylon and eventually against Jerusalem is going to be so severe that it will be the end of that culture. Lights out for that culture. It's it's not a literal statement. It is a spectacular figurative statement. And think about it. Where is Babylon today? It's gone. Lights out. The state of Israel perished in 70 AD. So the point he is making here is that this isn't a literal description. This is spectacular language. Now, if you will turn to Isaiah 34, and you'll see this even gets more specific as we go on. Isaiah 34, beginning in verse 1. Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all and and all in it contains here, and the world and all this that springs forth from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all of the nations, that is, any nation that is rebellious against God as apostate Israel was. And his wrath against all of their armies. And he has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain we have throughout. And their corpses will give off their stench. And the mountains will be drenched with their blood. Really? That's an awful lot of blood for the mountains to be drenched. So you see this is not literal language. And all of the hosts of heaven will wear away. And the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. And their, ho- and their host will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine. As one withers from the fig tree. For my sword is satiated from heaven. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom. Now all of this is not concerned with the end of the world. It is concerned with this little nothing of a city, Edom. God hated Edom. He hated Edom because it was populated with the descendants of Esau. Remember, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And upon the people of Edom, whom I have devoted to destruction, the sword of the Lord will be filled with blood. So here he says, I'm going to bring my anger against Edom and utterly destroy them. And when I do, their corpses will give off a stench. The mountains will be drenched with the blood of these Edomites. And the whole host of heaven will wear away. The sun and the moon will go out, the stars will fall, and the sky will roll up like a scroll. Did any of those things literally happen on the day that the Lord destroyed Edom? No, that is not the point. The point is that the judgment of God is inescapable. 
And when God goes to destroy those he hates, it will be a spectacular display of his glory in bringing their evil cultures to an end. Now turn to Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Do the sands of the deserts rejoice? Not literally, but I'm sure you get the point. And the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shouts of joy. Do the crocus shout with joy? No, not literally, but with this powerful, beautiful language, you know what he's saying. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious hearts, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come. He's not talking about the second coming. He will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like deer and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. The scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. Is that literally going to come true? I doubt it. And then, and a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. Now, have any of you ever ridden on that highway? Have you ever seen a sign that says, here's Highway 87, the highway of holiness? Of course not. There is no such highway. And it goes on. And the unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. The lion, no lion will be there, nor will vicious beasts go upon it. They will not, these will not be found there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The point is, God says, I'm going to clear the ground. I'm going to use my judgment to clear the ground from all of the corruption and all of the infections of sin so I can give the ground back to my faithful people. There will be victory after judgment, beloved. There was judgment in 586 B, 586 B.C. on Babylon. There was judgments by the Medes and the Perses and the Greeks between the Testaments There was judgment by the Romans after the birth of Christ. But God says, I'm going to judge these peoples, including apostate Israel. So the land will blossom. I'm going to clear the way. The highway of holiness. 
I'm going to clear the way for the redeemed to get victory over all of their enemies. And beloved, you must believe that. Now turn to Joel chapter 2. We're now going to get even more specific here. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and following. And you'll see here a prophecy. And it says, It will come after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind or on all flesh, and your, speaking to apostate Israel, sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Second coming? I don't think so. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Now, no one will be saved that hadn't already been saved when the day of the Lord comes at the end of time. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who will escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So he is prophesying and he is saying, there is coming a time in which God's Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh, Sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. He will even pour out the Holy Spirit on the male and female servants. And on that very day, you will see displays of wonder in the sky, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will become like blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, he's already used this language with reference to Egypt, with reference to Babylon, with reference to Edom. And not one time has it been taken literally. So what he is saying is judgment has cleared the way. And once judgment has cleared the way, there is coming a time in which I am going to pour out my spirit upon my faithful people, and it will be a spectacular display of my glory. The world will not have seen anything as spectacular as the pouring out of my spirit on my people. The sun will go out, the moon will be turned to blood, the stars will fall, and all of the rest before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And when is this great and awesome day? It is when God pours out his spirit upon his people. Now let's look and see if I'm telling the truth. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Here you have the great day of Pentecost. 120 disciples are in Jerusalem. And notice what it says first in chapter 1, verse 1. Verse chapter 1, verse 1. 
The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now Christ is alluding to what was said at his baptism when John the Baptist said, I can baptize with water. But there is coming one after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And and Jesus says, this is the fulfillment of what John the Baptist talked about back at my baptism. John said, in essence, all I can do is sprinkle a little water on your head. But the Messiah is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I'll read through chapter 5 again. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when did the day of Lord of the day of Pentecost come? They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And they saw what was going on. And they said, these people are drunk. That's the only thing they could think of. Verse 13, but others were mocking and saying they're filled with sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose. Why? Was it because they were teetotalers? No, it is because it was only nine o'clock in the morning, verse 16. But this is what was spoken of through the the prophet Joel. He says, you want to know what this is? Here it is. And then he quotes the passage we read a moment again, a moment ago from Joel. Listen here in Acts chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 17 through 21. This is a quote from what we read ago in Joel 2. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, flesh, 
And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. And I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." He is saying, he says, what is happening now is what Joel prophesied, that the day of the Pentecost is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 